gosh. All right. I just killed a very big bug. Um, <laughs> do you want me? Do you want me to call you oh back my God. or what's going on? Yes. yes, that's a cold open, though. <laughs> Damn you, Graham McMillan! Look, you did it to yourself, my friend. I know. Welcome to episode 17 of The Drock, the monthly podcast in which myself, Gray McMillan, and my esteemed co-host... Jeff Lester, hello. We talk about the life, the career, the shockingly vast comic book history of Judge Dredd by reading the Judge Dredd The Complete Case File series in chronological order. And with some other things, as you'll get to this time. We are coming, I should say, from Dominic Fell's block. But Jeff is actually phoning in from Denny O'Neill block. We're splitting the difference. <laughs> We're doing a transatlantic, transatlantic, transmega city one yes, block. A tran, a transmeg uh, call. Uh, Transmeg sounds like it should be a thing, shouldn't it? It really does, doesn't it? This time we're around, we're doing uh, Case Files 15, which is Brock 700 through 735, and Magazines Issues 1 through 10, which were published in 1990 and 1991. And we're also doing America, which is officially not a Dread story, but is also the Dread story. Right. Uh, and that was published in Magazines Issues 1 through 7, also from uh, 1990 and 1991. Jeff, I kind of have a plan for once. And the plan starts with this. The Case Files is arguably the most dread in transition we've seen. Mm. Like Case Files 2, it feels like to me. Mm -hmm. Like you have Wagner doing some stories, but honestly, minimal stories. Mm -hmm. With You have the first Garth Ennis uh, stories. And then in terms of magazine, you have Alan Grant writing. Right. You know, and it's it's an incredibly up and down book oh, for me. Yeah, for me I mean, too. Multi wise, it's it's shockingly all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember the stuff from when it was published, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember that there are highs, definitely, but there are also, for my money, like really impressively low lows. Oh yeah, for, for someone who is coming to this fresh and coming off of the high that was Necropolis. Right. Like, what did this book, the case files in particular, what did this read to you? The one thing that I should say, and I don't necessarily know if we want to take up a lot of time with it or that should, but um, both of, uh, particularly reading case files, but it happened in a way with America as well, were was a very hard read that I could not tell how much of that was tied to the time in which I'm reading them for the first time. Yeah, I, I think that's especially true for America, which yeah. is actually a lot of what I want to talk about with America. But America was was really hard. Yes. America was a very, very difficult read to read, especially at this time. Yes, but there, you know, and some yeah. of that touches yeah. in on on the case files. In particular, right. I think the Wagner uh, stories. Oh yes, in yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, there, there was a point where um, I, I, you know, because it's such a huge amount of comics, it is a thing that I'm working on throughout the week. You know, it's kind of like okay, got to sit down and 
be pretty aware that I've got to try and get somewhere, you know, between 75 to 100 pages read or something like that. And there's times where that is easy. There's times where it sort of feels like homework. But there was there was just a point in the case files where it's like, I am not like kind of like there there was a period uh, with Drock, like I think it's around case four, case files four or five that really were the, you know, how I learned to stop worrying and love the dread. Maybe mm-hmm. it was as early as three. I think it was four. And this was uh, the first time since that I was really like, that's a mistake. Like, this is kind of like, it doesn't matter how much you dress it up uh, in satire. Dread swinging a nightstick, um, breaking down the gangs and talking about how the police are the toughest gang is a not a fun read right now and b like kind of uh maybe maybe i'm doing it wrong maybe we're doing it wrong maybe this really is a thing you know ironically enough we're at a point in the case files where dread in in the opening stories is very specifically saying um, he's adjusting his views The after walking away from being a judge and doing the long walk slash long motorcycle ride. Um, he feels that he was wrong to abandon his city. And as a result, he sort of blames himself for Necropolis. And, but he is basically like, we're going to be, the citizens are going to have more of a say in what we do. And there's a wonderful scene in which he shows dance, you know, basically stares down the judge's counsel and in a very classic piece of Dreadian Catch-22, basically says, you guys are going to do it this way because essentially I'm the law. None of you are going to have much of a say because none of you have done as much for the department yeah. and the city as I have. And so... I- I, and then, like, immediately afterwards, in a, a wonderful moment of, like, Wagner knows exactly what he's doing with Dredd, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. He, so he does – he shows up and he's like, okay, there has to be democracy. And you're going to agree with it because I am the hardest man here. Yes. Like, none of you have the moral authority to tear me down. That's right. And he's very blunt. And then he goes, what do I believe in? I believe in the police state. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. They're going to vote for fascism. Right. Right. Because they that's are. what I believe in. It's yeah. a great moment because it is so like multiply complicated in that page. Yes. Right. Well, and it's very it's very much a uh the idea that that um you know, dread it's 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 almost a catch 22. It's like here is a fascist pulling for democracy. And and more or less, they're, the, to the idea that the citizens are going to have their shot at democracy precisely because Dread the, is, you know... Is being fascistic about yeah, it. One of, one yeah, of the, Dread, yeah. Dread, Dread is saying, I am a dictator, but yeah. my dictatorship is pro-democracy because I believe that everyone will vote for dictatorship. Yes, which is wonderful. And, it's, and there's, a, there's a bit on that page where... Uh, Greece or Grice, the judge who is, you know, more or less like trying to return things to the status quo. In fact, of course, a more stiffer, uh, uglier version of the status quo, you know, says you're outvoted, Dread. And he's like, you don't believe in voting, Greece. And I was just like, that is so 
that is such a great moment because it is. It's such a yeah. Dread basically proved him wrong, and it also is a little bit of the you know it it so shines a light on the way in which um, people in power use the tools to get and retain power. And they have more or less run up against kind of an immovable object. It's, yeah, it's exactly. A, the, yeah. the judges, if the judges play by their rules, yeah. which is literally, the, we are the strongest, therefore we get to make the rules. Right. They then find flaws in that system because Dread is the strongest. Exactly. And they disagree with him, but they have to, if they're playing by their own rules, they have to accept Dread's rule. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, it's a brilliant piece of of thinking things through, of thinking through a very clever and smart in, in universe, in character decision. Like the fact that Wagner makes that work is fantastic. Whether or not things then more or less get punted into oblivion. Well, well, I don't know. Well, they, but, they do. I, yeah. I like that's So one of my th- real problems about case files 15 is mm-hmm. Wagner is on top of his game. Right. You know, the the opening, even like even including the PG Maybe story, which is very slight, but also kind of works within the PG Maybe logic. Oh, actually, P, that right. PG Maybe story was the one where I was like, oh, I get why Graham has affection for this character. This is right? fabulous. Yeah. But like, but you have the, it starts with the Theater of Death story, which is a, just a two-parter, which is kind of just uh, a quasi-regular Dread story, but also kind of going, okay, we're after Necropolis, things are different. Right. Right. It, it's a palate cleanser for all intents and purposes. Featuring, I should say, great Ron Smith painted art. Yes and I, no. I, I love Ron Smith's art in that. Ron, I really do. I love his – the expressions, the details, and the faces. There's some weird storytelling uh, drop-the-ball moments that seem inexplicable for me. There, There's a point where uh, – Dread is facing off against what we think is Judge Death, and suddenly Judge Death explodes, and I'm like, "What? How did that happen?" And you really have to go back and look and be like, "Oh, Dread sort of crouching and firing three bullets in his chest in a weird, you know what I mean?" Like, but it's not, it's not a, um, it's. I agree that it was like great seeing Smith, and it's wonderful seeing. I love Smith's faces and it was um it was kind of interesting seeing the stuff that you know smith can just do really well but, but also were, like i think smith's colors are great i think smith's colors are great as well in fact it, it's one of those things although i think that that um case files it, this volume of the case files is a volume where i feel like which is ironic because i know all the artists are do, coloring their own work where the coloring is is almost always the strongest point, you know, in a way. Yeah, like, I, yeah. I, I well, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna say you're wrong, Jeff. <laughs> uh, some of the artists are coloring their own work. A lot of the artists aren't. Oh, okay. Uh, for example, Steve Dillon is never coloring his own works. I was wondering, although is there uh, a color cr- droid credited? Only in some of them. Hmm, mm-hmm. uh, the Nightmares is colored by Gina Hart, who is credited in like one of the four episodes. Hmm. Uh, and Emerald Isle is Will Simpson is coloring. Oh, I see. Interesting. Um, okay. And in the magazine stuff, the John Hinkleton stuff is definitely not colored by John Hinkleton either. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. But 
yeah, but but the colors, the color choices are great. Like, there's some really, really good coloring in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I was going to say is, so uh, Theater of Death is great. Nightmares is wonderful. Like, by far my favorite story in this yes, volume. Yes, absolutely. Uh, because it is, it's bringing back Yasa from Dead Man. Yep. It's it's really the follow up to Necropolis. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's dealing with Yasa's Yasa's trauma. It's dealing with Dread realizing he's a reformer, mm-hmm. and 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 deciding that he was wrong to take the long walk because in his argument, you can't change the system outside it. You have to be inside to change the system, and so he still has the doubts about the system. Right, but he he wants to be there to fix it. You have the great for me at least joke about Magruder giving the service for all the dead. Yes, which is just just a wonderful page, yeah. I, you know, we'd love to say through sacrifice not vain, but it totally is because you just fucking died. Right. And now we have have to clean up after you, which is so dark, but works. Like, really, like, that, that scene really worked for me, and it really sort of brings home quite how fucked they are after necropolis yeah, you know yeah that page uh, is fabulous that that is just a perfectly paced little page of storytelling um yeah and there's just it just feels like there's so much in nightmares that well, it's so full of everything and also unlike stories later in the in the volume it's paced really well right Right. You know, mm-hmm. the Nightmares just feels a, a completely wonderful story. The PG Maybe story that follows, like I said, feels slight to me, but also feels very enjoyable. And right. feels like, again, a nice palate cleanser after Necropolis. Yes. Even though it's essentially still a Necropolis story, but it's very, like, ridiculously light, you know? Well, okay, so th- there's a few th- there's a few things that I want to point out and add on. One, the other thing that I think is great about Nightmares is again we get we get closure with Yaza, but I think what's super important there is you get a really crucial point and I apologize if this is something that I talked about last episode or sorry, two episodes ago when we were talking about Necropolis because it was one of the few times where I read ahead is I feel that it that in nightmares is where Wagner very clearly posits uh, essentially that that how do I put it that Anderson is the future of police work in a way like she is what she does with Yaza is re- psychically restorative you know and she is a contrast to the type of judge work that you see literally being talked about throughout the rest of the episode, right? So to me, there's very much a very strong idea that is, that Dred, like you said, Dred's a reformer, but one of the things that he may well be able to reform to and what Wagner is pointing to is a, essentially something that has been, you know, coming up a lot in the arguments about defunding the police here here in the real world which is we need trained counselors we need trained uh we need people who can heal and communicate and interact with the community like anderson is 100 percent a healing supplemental person yes to yeah, someone in, in, that in we need it. in nightmares anderson mm-hmm. is not a cop well, but right, she's not, but she is. I mean, because I think no, that no. is crucial, you know. Yeah, but but it's also like she, you see, you see Anderson in Death Aid. Yes, right, right. 
and there's basically like the my back's still screwed up. You're gonna have to go and be the cop, Joe. Right. Right. I, that feels more like proactively police. Oh, than completely. She does in nightmares. Yes. You know, yes. in nightmares, she does feel like she comes in as a counselor, and she comes in as she approaches Yasa, and honestly approaches everything yeah. from the point of view of how can I heal? Right. How can I? Right. How can I heal and how can I help? And I think that this is. I think that's super important because I do think that there's a way in which um, Wagner is in dealing with dread and and dealing with his own superhero logic of like, oh, how do you know, essentially, how do I get this status quo wedged back into place? But I think in the back of Wagner's mind, he really has reached the limits of, you know, I think his own possibility. It's perhaps overstating it for as an internal struggle, but I do think there's a lot to be said for a Wagner is it, it leading up to, and I think you, you made this point very clearly. Necropolis and pre-Necropolis is very much dread struggling with the role of you know the point of the judges in society, the story itself is very much a struggling with the idea of judge dread, right? Like dread leaves the justice department is like the whole thing falls apart without it, you know? And I think there's a way for Wagner in himself or for the people, there might be a level at which how can we do stories about dread that it either a aren't satire or B are realizing that even if they're satirical, they're going to be overseen. I think that Wagner has moved purely on from a sort of satirical uh, semi nihilism to, to an idea of, you know, here's a way in which the police make sense for me. And I can sort of continue to write about a comic in which the police are occasionally seen doing heroic things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he can still do the, you know, the he's, he clearly is going to be able to do the all cops or bastard stories. You know, that's not going to be a stretch and the satirical ones. I think he's like fine, but I do think that there was a little bit of the, what the hell am I doing? Telling these stories. Yes. And I think, and I think that that in a way, Necropolis is very much a is a is an extension of that. You know, the the the, the idea that the the Justice Department is like, we need Dread. He's a figurehead. We cannot let him go. And in the back of you know, as people pointed out, the meta is very much Wagner being very aware that they're not going to let Dread go if he leaves Dread. You know, 2000 AD. 2000 AD is going to keep dread rolling along, well, and he can't. Which is like just... an illustration right here, right? Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. for all we know, Wagner wrote Necropolis knowing that he's going to step off of dread in 2000 AD, and Ennis is going to step up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we like we we have no idea. There is a uh, there's a meta text to dread essentially getting rebooted in this volume. Yes. Where, you know, Dread is literally getting uh, a physical makeover, mm -hmm. uh, which it, in uh, Ennis's first episode, people are referring to like he's had a rejuve job. Right. You know? Right. Um, 
but also in Wagner's in Nightmares specifically, Dread having a new attitudes towards like his his faith in Mega City One and the law have been renewed. Mm-hmm. But it is not the blind devotion that it was before. No. He is the reformer. He wants things to be different. Well, yes. Yeah. In in a way, it's it's more that dread and I think understandably, if you look at it from from the viewpoint of that classic Joseph Campbell Leon sort of hero journey, Dredd's faith is now in himself. Like, yes. and that is very much his renewed confidence. The extent to which he is aware, I'm not sure that he necessarily has faith in the city or the system, but he has the faith in himself that he can, you know, basically protect one and fix the other, or, you know, essentially protect them, fix them both by by doing it that way. And so he is... He, like you said, he is, he's, he's renewed. There is a, a, it's, it, yeah, he's gotten a new, new, new coat of paint and he's basically being rolled out. And, and I think that it's super meaningful in a way that's actually quite shocking that Ennis comes in on death aid and it is, um, he comes in and he picks up the, the threads from those stories, you know. Do you think that he does? Well, because right, this was okay. This was thing too that I wanted to say when I was talking about like this being a very variable book, right? I find Ennis's dread, especially in Death Aid, which I think is actually a mess. Mm-hmm. I think Death Aid is 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 terrible. I think it's overlong. I think it's really sloppy. I think there there isn't. I mean, it's tough to go. Well, he's not as good as Wagner because Wagner is fucking great. Sure, and Wagner is at the top of his game. Right. But there's a form to Wagner mm-hmm. that Ennis is nowhere near. Well, of course. Like, no, no, but by which I mean, like, Wagner can write a six-page story where there's a beginning, middle, and end, and the cliffhanger feels perfectly paced. And Death Aid just does not have that at all. Death Aid feels shockingly sloppy. But also, his dread feels infinitely more two-dimensional and infinitely less less of a reformer. His dread feels much more of an action hero to me. Oh, yes. No, absolutely. No, no, no. I'm merely talking about the up to this point, for the most part, dread stories have got started off being very, very modular, you know? So it's like one story happens, then the next story happens. Sometimes you'll see internal references that that make you be like, oh, this happened before that or whatever. But there's a lot of like the continuity from episode to episode doesn't really happen. Then you see Wagner come in and you get a long stretch of extended continuity from Dread. In the past, even when it was Wagner and Grant, when that ended, it ended. Oh, it goes, it goes, yeah, and it goes back to, right. to like individual one shots. And you kind of get that from the Wagner stories here. Right. I'm just saying that for myself, what I saw was something much more similar to the when I briefly read 2000 AD, what I think of as quote unquote modern 2000 AD, where you've got dread teams that move in and out. And to the extent that there is a quote unquote master story or longer continuity threads they're not always being handled by the same writing team. Now, Ennis, so Ennis is more or less making like the weakest mouth noises possible for whatever reasons 
and and there's probably a lot of those reasons, but I am saying that it is a a big departure for you to go from Wagner wrapping up, you know, big stories and emotional beats and then seeing Yasa leave with Ennis writing it or seeing the Democrats like demonstrating in the background of one of the things and, you know, it's still kicking the can down the road. There's a lot of like, yeah, oh, well, yes. the vote's coming and blah, blah, blah. But there is a sense that that Wagner is handing off the reins and that essentially whoever 2000 AD editorial is, is there are going to be threads that are going to be moved forward one way or another now and i just think that that is that is a very very big departure and it's ironic because again you see bits and pieces of it but ennis i think for the most part kind of just wants to do what ennis wants to do i think death hunt is you're absolutely right it's a mess it's nowhere near the mess that i feel that the grant stories which Thanks to them being in, 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 the, in magazine, the magazine, yeah, are uncredited. The, the six-part yeah. Midnight's Children thing, which is just... It's, it's yeah, Ooh. Midnight's Children is the first of the magazine Dread stories. It's six parts. It is not a million miles away story-wise from Death Aid. No, right, no. Which is kind of weird and fascinating. Right. Well, and I um, also think that it it is also Midnight's Children is because it was uncredited. I was like it read like Wagner if Wagner had fallen apart. And so I'm like, <laughs> is this Ennis? Is it like cuz I only thought there was the two of them on the volume. It wasn't until I got to the very end and I'm like, "Oh, Grant's doing stuff. Oh, I bet it's Grant." Like there was yeah. one or two pieces that were one shots that seemed to go nowhere and felt like they were killing time with pretty art. I was sure those were uh Grant. But there were but Midnight's Children felt ambitious and had some formalistic experimentation to it that also nonetheless felt like a horrible horrible slop wreck that i was like it didn't make sense to me anyway all of which is to say on the one hand ennis's stuff feels uh way 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 more cover bandy than i was expecting this i, soon. I was wondering because because you like ennis right i do i do and honestly and, and yeah mm -hmm. ennis's dread is especially death aid which i mean don't get me wrong Ennis's dread in general, I think, is really weak. But I think, for example, Emerald Isle is stronger than Death Aid. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, right. So you basically get three Ennis stories in here. You get Death Aid, which is roughly one million episodes long. Yeah. Um, you get <laughs> They're all Emerald really Isle. long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even Emerald, Emerald Isle, Isle is like six parts, seven six, parts. Yeah. Yeah. And you get Return of the King, which is, I think, two or three. Yeah. 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 Um, Return of the King and Death Aid are messes right. emerald isle it feels a little, a little bit closer to what i expect from a dread story right um but death aid is horrible return of the king is another one that backs up my example that is a very weird story for like i can't see that ennis was like oh yeah this is what i really want to write you know what i mean like that was one of those stories that starts feeling like the 2000 AD editorial machine. I mean, maybe there's a way in which Ennis was like, ooh, I'm super, I'm super into this. Um, for me, the difference 
Emerald Isle is the strongest story because it is the strongest that had in a way that has it's got a viewpoint and it's got something it, it, that Ennis wants to say, of course. Yes. And yes. so and that it, counts it feels, for a lot. Mm-hmm. It feels the least trying to be a Wagner story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean, like, like both Return of the King and Death Aid are literally playing with Wagner concepts. Very much so. You know, Return of the King is super strange because it basically contradicts Theater of Death at the start of the book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Theater of Death goes, oh, this is probably how, how uh, Chief Judge Silver dies. And then Return of the King comes along and is like, no, he committed suicide. And But he also didn't because he isn't dead because death kept him alive and he's like a zombie thing now. Right. Um, like, Return of the King's a fucking mess as well. But Death Aid is. Death Aid just feels maybe there's like too much flop sweat. Maybe Ennis is completely overwhelmed by the idea of writing Dread, mm-hmm. but it feels like a it feels like Dread fanfic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's kind of interesting to me that like Iskara is drawing it right and drawing the hell out of it, but it still just feels like Dread feels like really. In Wagner, where Wagner has gone to with Dread, Dread is a reformer, but also Dread is internally changing. You right. look at how Dread and Yasa act, yeah, uh, interact in, in nightmares, and Dread is being kind. Dread is being empathetic, right, right. And then you you get to to Death Aid, and the, he's telling the the medics to put the, the suspect back together after he's been blown up and he's like he doesn't need his legs to talk right and it's like it's not mean and it's not cold but it, it's like i said for it's like an action hero what, it's like crass one of the few things that i do know about ennis uh is a of course um you know the apocalypse war was just the shit for him like yes. I remember him writing about it as like one of the like this is the most meaningful dread pushing that button and that's it. I think his thing is like and also um you know Ennis's obsession particularly as times have gone on is about the bastard. Like and so that's it. He wants to write dread as the bastard and the be- and honestly the quote unquote best points in the book have a lot to do with dread being um kind of being a dick or at least being a uh being the outsider who is also completely and utterly unfazed by his outsideriness but it is it's but it's ironic because it is ex- it's like ennis is the sort of the right person at the wrong time if he had come in before Necropolis, um, particularly in that volume that I thought were was pretty dull drummy and was all Wagner and Grant, I'd be like, this guy's got a lot of potential. But part of the thing is it's precisely weirdly that idea that Wagner is stepping off dread, of course, ends up going into the editorial position, heading up magazine. Um, but he... You know, it's precisely because of the machinery that Ennis, in a way, gets the job. And, of course, he's only 20 years old or something, right, when he starts writing this stuff. He's, I mean, it's not like Jim Shooter or Jerry Conway young, but it's remarkably young. And, you know, unsurprisingly, A, imitative, 
but yeah, there's this thing of like he's in there because of the machinery. But I, but what's ironic is I think what he loved about Dread is a lot of the stuff that honestly is closer. It is not like two out of those three stories. You know what I mean? Like he is, and and this is just me. I'm very aware of to do these things, you know, because I'm the person going, you know, the time traveler going backwards in time. I'm reading this stuff after reading things like Ennis's Punisher, where you can see how much uh, Ennis appreciates the Judge Dredd, Wagner Grant approach of introducing a badass villain and then blowing that villain up. You know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the idea of playing with continuity is a 100% the opposite of what Ennis was really doing for a long time with shit like the Punisher. Like he's yeah. way more into the influence of the modular Wagner Grant approach. So A, he's 20 and B, he's kind of getting off on the worst foot possible because he's not playing to... I would say I don't even know if they're his strengths yet, but they're not playing to what he loves. And I think and I think honestly, it shows there's a lot of bad pacing in this volume of case files stuff where the storytelling is just weirdly shitty. Like there's a there's a scene even even Emerald Isle, which is uh, the best of Ennis's three stories. Not only does it seem to drag on too long and there's honestly very little threat at all but some of the big action beats are so jammed in that scene where that should be such a cool kick-ass moment where dread you know guns his bike and jumps from one building you know cross one building into the other is drawn in such a hurried slapdash like oh here's a you know an eight panel page that steve dylan is having a you know something where you're supposed to have like depth and impact and height into just kind of a hup, hup, ha, you know? So there's a lot of bad pacing here. And that's not just Ennis. Yes, absolutely. When you get into like the Grant magazine stories, Mm -hmm. those stories are also like incredibly poorly paced. Yeah. Uh, Part of it might be Grant is just not used to the magazine format, which is longer episodes. Yeah. But like they are... There's a lot of, especially as you said, the the um, Midnight's Children, the first story, mm-hmm. is, I mean, just there's a lot of filler. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't really go anywhere. Yep. There's a lot of uh, very in, unclear storytelling. Right. You know, which is surprising. It's Jim Bakey. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, for that matter, when you get to the the mutant story, the Gipper's uh, last night oh, or whatever. Oh my it's god! Yeah, right. Like Will Simpson drawing that, and there's parts where I literally can't tell what's happening on the page. Yeah. And again, like these people are know their jobs, right? And right. yet you can't actually tell what's happening. Right. The, there are very odd storytelling choices. Yeah, very uh, much so. Book, mm-hmm. Really, in terms of writing, I think Wagner's the only one who comes out of it well. Well, because he's Wagner, but he's got some flops in him. He wrote that Black Widow story, right? Which is... Did he? I don't know. Because, again, I there's no writing credit. There's no credits. I had to hunt around. Like, I didn't know Midnight's Children was Grant until I think it got uncovered... I want to say there's a mention to it on on Douglas Wolk's Dread blog. Yeah, maybe because I, I was know. going to check Barney and Barney's down. 
damn it. Whoever's in charge of Barney, by the way, Barney's down. Oh, dear. And I really wanted to check the writing credits for the magazine yeah. for a reason I couldn't. Yeah, it, it's, I, I, for some reason, think that Grant's still in charge of the, the Black Widow story because the fact that it basically ends without an ending feels very Alan Grant. It, well, it does, but yeah. But I mean, didn't Wagner write the original Nosferatu or was it a, like a tag team effort with that? I think it was a tag team effort. I might, oh, okay. I might be misremembering. And also the reason I think that they're all Grant is that Wagner was doing America and Al's Baby and right. something else for the magazine at the same time. Like he had three strips and they were ready. Right. So the idea that he then takes over the Dread Strip feels unlikely, not impossible by any means. Right. But just I feel I feel like he might have been busy. But I mean, if we're wanting to talk about you know Wagner having writing flops, his Death Aid interlude stories oh. are, you know, uh, they're they're capable, mm-hmm. but you know they they read like the filler they are. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Right. Well, and I, I, I should say it's not clear in the the way it's collected. Thankfully, in the case files, yes. But they exist because Death Aid stopped halfway through. Yeah, yeah, for uh, a surprisingly they, long time. Yeah, for like four weeks, Death yeah. Aid just stopped, yep. and they had to have the Death Aid interlude stories, which are, you can tell by reading them, all just like one-off dread strips that that they clearly just put into circulation, right? Because. He, he didn't have the next episode of Death Aid. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. And and again, there's speculation as to to way, why that might be, but only uh, La Placa Rifa with the beautiful Cam Kennedy art is the is the only one that seems like it might be taking place in a Wagner telling a post Necropolis story. Like the yeah. rest of them. Uh, although I, I will say that the, the Stevie L one-off, which is, you know, if we're talking about stories that are slight. Yes. It's, it's literally a, and then I woke up and it was a dream. Yes. Story. But the art, that's lovely. <laughs> like, I love Stevie O at the best times, but Stevie L doing watercolors in his own work. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. <laughs> Just give me so much more of that. I'm a, such a fucking sucker. Right. Um. But no, like, you know, I, I meant to ask, how do you feel about Bill Bailey when you come home? Well, I was going to say, that's another Wagner story. And it's another one that strikes me as um, poorly paced. Honestly, I feel like it goes on too long. I like it. I like the, I like how downbeat it is. And <clears throat> it's a... It's a little... It's very grim. Yes. Like it, it's, yeah. The so plot, for people who haven't read it, is... Yeah, the last time when we did the Restricted Files episode, there's a, a one-off story from Manual there, which is a city dev team goes rogue, essentially. And I yes. said, that seems like a great idea. John Wagner clearly thought so. He uses it for a four-part story here. Yes. Um, but it's a city dev group from a block that actually ceased to exist as a result of Apocalypse War. Right. And they think that Either the Apocalypse War is still on or that the the Sovs won it. That's right. And that Mega City 1 is, is under occupation. Right. And and they are fighting the, the quote-unquote good fight. And it's I like that idea a lot. I like the resolution of it a lot. Yes. Which is, as you said, it's very downbeat. It's they all die, basically. Yeah. yeah. They all get killed. But what makes it especially downbeat Mm-hmm. Is is Dread's comment like what the the line that ends the story? Mm-hmm. He he just goes dumb, real dumb, yeah. looking over their bodies, yeah. which is like it is breathtakingly dark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, like like very much so. 
One of the reasons why I think, and this is actually a very clumsy uh, um, supposition on my part, but part of the reason why I think that there's a chance that Black Widow might be Wagner is the fact that a lot of the stories here and America itself feel like crime to the point, like like right on the edge where crime stories become noir stories, you know, I feel like, and, and admittedly in a way that is different from the way that they have tackled things before. So on, so sort of this way that the black widow story is an ultra femme fatale story, the noir um, feel of the bill, the bill Bailey thing. Won't you come home, Bill Bailey, which is, sort of the classic like soldiers doesn't know that world war two has ended feel rapidly becomes the heist gone wrong. And especially the host, the hostage negotiations that turn tragic. It's very, uh, as, particularly with like dread doing everything in his power to try and make them come out right. And everything still falls apart right down to the classic rookie pulling the trigger and gunning someone down. Mm -hmm. And there's a misunderstanding and, you know, it's, it's, um, in a way it's all sort of shop worn stuff, but it is done for lack of a better term differently in a way, America, as we get to has a lot of very classic noir tropes yes. within it as well. And I would say mm -hmm. with black widow and, you know, even a little the, bit of the kidnapping in that motivates nightmares and stuff, but mm -hmm. we'll see. The the internet tells me that Blackwood is indeed Wagner. Ah, okay, yeah. So again, it's a mess, but not nearly Grant levels of messy. So, but it but it is a mess. The magazine stories in general mm -hmm. in this volume don't work. Right, right. You know, right. they 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 all feel a little overextended. They all feel a little messy. Yeah, uh, not as messy as Death Aid, which honestly is just <laughs> Death Aid. No, Death Aid honestly feels like he wrote all the scripts either a page too long or a page too short. Mm -hmm. Every single episode of that does. Yeah, it it just feels really it, like it felt like the editor should have been like, no, do another pass. Right, right. Well, I and I think there's even like what something there's there's like one is it in, is it in this or is it in Emerald Isle? There's there's one part where literally the first page of the of the installment you can was like oh that would have been a million times better as the conclusion. It's, it's death aid. Yeah, it's it is death, death aid. aid right? There's a, there's a cliff. There's a cliffhanger where Dread says to the the villain, you know, if you're smart, you're not going to pull that trigger. And he goes, I. You, you know, good thing I'm not smart, and that's the cliffhanger. And then the next episode starts with him firing the the, the bazooka. Right, right. Well, there's and you're, you're right. like, that's like that's that's the cliffhanger. Right. Yeah. 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 No. Exactly. That that was the part that I thought was, yeah, pretty terrible. Or or even the um, what is it? It's not Death Aid Part Four, but I'm pretty sure it's a Death Aid thing where it's very much that thing of like. Oh right, that's a better, a better um, finale. So yeah, no, there's there's weird stuff, and I do think that uh, you know in the past we've had 
uh, listeners jump in on the threads and point out that there are times when Wagner and Grant are really overextended. And that's got to be the case. They're launching the magazine. There's a lot of stuff that I was aware of in reading the very short introduction to America where Wagner talks about how he was going to edit the magazine and realized how much he hated editing and essentially how much his how rough his standards were. And as you point out, he was carrying a crazy, crazy load at that point, too. Um, yeah. So and, and also, like it should be said that we say all this, but like America, I think, is is a, a wonderful piece of writing uh, that that works in a way that probably no story in the in case files 15 does with exception to nightmares yeah you know it's funny i i think and, and, we'll save that for when we get to that's good thing yeah. well, i know we're gonna move on yes but before we do i've said that um nightmares is by far my favorite story of case files 15 yes the same for yeah absolutely so like let's if we had to pick a second story do we have a second i'm honestly gonna say bill bailey interesting that is arguably not uh, in favor of Bill Bailey being great. Right. But I think there, there's like, I really think there's a lot of poor material in, right. in this book. I don't, I, I, I don't think so Files 15 is particularly good. Right. Uh, there's things that I like in 15, like even Midnight's Children, which is a huge mess. I like how parts of it come together. I think my second part would be the PJ Maybe stories. Cause I think that having PJ maybe in a way like dread get a new facelift and a reboot is funny and done really well. And there are bits and pieces and I do, I have more fondness for Ennis than you do and death aid. Although it goes on too goddamn long. It's, it's Escara. I mean, Escara's work is beautiful in it. And there's some stuff that he sells that, that I don't think anyone else could sell. Like, as you point out, it's just a little thing, but the, the part where some, one of the judges is like, Hey, dread, I see your nose came, but drew guru back and dreads just like, uh-huh. And I, I think that that's really very well done. I, I enjoyed that a lot. It's again, it's not Wagner stuff, but considering there have been entire volumes where I thought things were, uh piss poor uh i would say that if i on the drock or dross scale i would say that this volume is largely dross and yet it it's almost drock i wouldn't i wouldn't <laughs> recommend passing it over you know what i mean because uh, nightmares I, is worth reading and the theater of yeah, death honestly, is as like, well yeah mm -hmm. like the first three stories are mm -hmm. great. Yeah. It's a really strong opener. Yep. And then it completely falls off a cliff for me. Let's see, whereas like, it really, really does. I love I do love the art in this volume a lot. Black Widow, which Dude, apparently some people really hate. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think because some of it is I mean, you've got Escara on you you've got Dylan who's doing really good work on that Emerald Isle. You've got es and frankly on Nightmares as well. You've got uh, Escara doing Death Aid, so it's beautiful. Again, Return of the King, which is a terrible story, looks beautiful. You've got Cam Kennedy, but even like uh, Driller Killer, which I think is a completely like nothing burger story. I really like the George Coleman art on that a lot. Um, oh well, you're you're. I'm I'm alone. Yes, I thought that's one of us. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, 
depowers the apartment. But yeah, by the time you get, I, I do like Dharma Power actually. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, but but yeah, by the time you get to to me, the Black Widow material is just so absurdly stylized. Um, I really, I I dug it. It was it was weird and gross and really off model dread but there's stuff that just makes me laugh there's some point where they're like bandaging him up and and dread is like his head is like 90 percent muscular neck or whatever i just i yeah it, it's it's kind of amazing right yeah. it's, it's art that makes like bisley look completely restrained absolutely it, it's, as if, it's as if someone was like how can i make simon bisley look like gene colon i got it <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And even, um, you know, Midnight Children is a mess. I like its ambition, but I also, I like the art in it. There's times where the art is the only thing that's selling it. And again, it's sort of, uh, you know what it is? There's a lot of Euro influence in this volume of Dread in terms of the art. I mean, part of that's Ascara, but I feel like everyone else apart from Ron Smith or... Dylan feels way more, even the Jim Bikey stuff for Midnight's Children looks more like he's been looking at uh, Ranzarok graphic novels. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just like it. And so I, I, I find the art in this volume sort of the, the beginning of the bad period of Dread. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot in there I do like, but, you know, it's, there are the, there, the Death Aid interludes where, there's the two serial killers wandering around. Collecting oh God, that's art. terrible! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the art there just does not work. Yep. Right. Yeah. And and uh, Hingleton in, in Black Widow is is so stylized. Like I can appreciate it from a he's out there, but I don't actually appreciate it from an aesthetic point of view. Right. Whereas, like for me, I don't actually like the Steve Yell work, which I was afraid to say because I know how much you like yeah. it. One, no, because it's it's very much an acquired taste, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, and also to be honest, it's probably not right for the story. Let's be perfectly honest. Mm. But I just love the way he uses line and I love the way that he uses color, right? So I'm like, I appreciate it from that. But you're sure. right, like it's not selling the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or or how do I put it? At best, you could say it is going to sell the. It was all a dream revelation because everything is so weirdly off off model you know, or off brand. Um, but like, even then, like, I feel like he doesn't quite sell it, you know? Yeah, I can buy that. I definitely, I mean, again, it's, it's just not my thing. And so. I say that as a person who loves the art, yes. but I totally see criticisms against it because I think that it does kind of fail. Yeah. 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 I, I get it. Did we just pick out the worst stories in the volume? I, 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 I kind of think we did, yeah. right? I, I, and also, I think there's so I think there's so many bad stories. Yes, that it kind we of feels be here like all it, night. <laughs> well, no, it kind of feels like it's 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 you know unnecessarily harsh. Mm. Like I I think I don't think it's it's unfair to say that you know of the what are we going to say like twenty stories in Case Files fifteen mm-hmm. that maybe three or four of them are good. Yeah. Yeah, I think sadly that is you know, like that's that's the percentage we're talking about. It's not a good book, right? It's just that the ones that are good are great. Yeah, the ones that are good are great. And again, it's kind of the how much tolerance do you have for 
eh or meh comics, and apparently mine's good because I'm like, yeah. Okay. Also, like, there's there's a lot to uh, appreciate. Question mark in here, right? Like from from a uh, from an analytical point of view, it's really interesting to see an early Annis. Oh, you know, it's very interesting for me. to see early Annis mm-hmm. and see the ways in which like he's just nowhere near fully formed. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. and also how quickly he learns. I think there is something instructive with how fucking messy Death Aid is. Mm-hmm. And honestly, Emerald Isle feels like a massive jump forward. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, very you know, much so. Like mm-hmm. I think I think there is something instructive about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, would I recommend either story? Not really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's you know it's one for the collectors. It's one for the historians. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's one for the curious. Uh, that's interesting. Whereas part of me is like, it, it, it may become, there may become a part where Escara's art on Dread is so prolific that it's kind of a dime a dozen, but I'm like, I'm down with it. It's also kind of weird to me, the fact that, um, the end of Death Aid is the end of, uh, Dark Knight Rises, kind of. You know what I mean? That whole like, <laughs> oh, we've got an atomic bomb. Let's fly it out in a plane over the water and then it explodes. Except, of course, with Dread, there's no ambiguity or like. But it was kind. Of, I was kind of like, huh? Oh, I wonder. I want. I wonder if the Nolan brothers were read were this. Born, were raised in a yeah, grand. on 2000 AD. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So anyway, so it's kind of a, kind of a crazy thought, but uh, but it came to me. So yeah, okay. I said that I thought America was kind of perfect, and I could hear the hesitation in your voice. Yeah. So, again, it, you know what it is? It's sort of a two-part situation, and it may just be that America, like, my expectations were super high, um, and or that it was... Hmm, uh, I, it's it's the expectations are high, but there's also a very to me a very strong shift in America. It is the first half or third of it is um, gripping and um, really emotionally devastating, um, and then the second half is a noir crime story that doesn't matter as much to me. And then there's a very odd end at the end that I think is interesting itself, but you mean the very last page? Yeah. But, but of course that mirrors the opening two pages. Oh, sorry. I guess there's two parts to, to it. Not, not the, the very final page is fine. In fact, it feels more closer to the original part. I'm saying that uh, Bennett Beanie, his oh, what what Benny Bennett does with yes. America, yes, is is shall we say out of left field? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> For people who don't know, America is a strip that is technically not a, a proper Judge Dredd strip. Yeah, um, that ran in the first issues of the magazine. It is feels to me. Very much like uh, Wagner's. Oh, it's, it's by I should say it's by John Wagner and Colin McNeil. It feels very much a Wagner's statement of where he sees the justice system, if not necessarily dread. Right at this point in time, mm-hmm. the basic plot is 
America is the name of uh, one of the protagonists of the story. She is someone who grows up to be part of the democratic movement. Right. And, but she's not the protagonist. The protagonist is Bennett Beanie. Mm-hmm. who is in love with her, has been in love with her since he was a child. Yeah, they were next-door neighbors. Yeah. He becomes a celebrity singer right. of parody songs because only in Mega City 1, only in Judge Dredd is that a thing. Right. But he basically becomes embroiled, as you said, in a sort of noir fashion mm-hmm. in, in her fight for democracy. And it goes wrong. And it goes wrong ultimately because... Benny can't stop himself being afraid of the judges. Mm-hmm. The, 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 he he gives in. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that Jeff's talking about, and we like, it's spoilers seem entirely appropriate at this point. Yeah, it's Americans are brain dead, and then Benny, who has earlier in the story been shot through the throat by one of America's um, uh, collaborators, mm-hmm. um, he then sticks his brain in her body. Yes. And so he, in the end, becomes America. Yeah. Which is, you know, unsubtle metaphor, mm-hmm. first of all, but also feels very, uh, maybe not out of the blue, because as I said, like, it, it's kind of a thematic, like, combination of the story, right? I do want to say two things, Graham, which is, A, I thank you for such a concise and complete summary. The ending of America, weirdly enough, is, um, and I think this is where Wagner feels that he really pulled something special off, and I I might be sort of, I'm semi-inclined to agree with him, because there is a sort of a triple level of ambiguity, because you do get, as you say, Bennett Beanie is in um, is is taken on America and like you said America lives on with him he has become etc and sort of America is still alive and then you have um dread on the last page saying that um you know America is dead you know this is the real world which is a fabulous and powerful ending of course but the weird part is and this is where I think things to me are a little uh everything that Wagner is doing in America, I should love. And there are parts of it that I do love it again, in that weird way, um, the first 20 or 30 pages or so the, you start with the first two, which are just such an amazingly strong sucker punch of yes. dread standing there and the flag at his feet. And then you pull back one page and he's standing on a dead body wrapped in a flag. And behind him is the Statue of Liberty. And behind her is the Statue of Justice, 10 times as high and a thousand times more fascistic. And uh, it is, it's... Well, with the caption as well. Yes, exactly. And it's beautiful. It is, it absolutely 100% sets the tone and kind of takes the it's like you really feel like okay the kid gloves have a price yeah justice has a price the price is freedom and i feel that the early sections um pretty much right to the bennett more or less being completely bullied by one of the judges 
who threatens to take him to the ISO cube and America more or less standing up for him and the judge looking at him and basically like, ah, you know, I'm going to ground those guys out. Like, you know, really the first, uh, you know, 14, 15 pages, I guess, um, are, to me are pretty fabulous. And then from there, the noir elements kick in. If we were seeing something that was a little bit more like a documentary of the what it's like growing up in the police state, um, completely unvarnished with it just being a story about regular people under the judges. Like you get that taste. And again, particularly because of when in the when in these times I'm reading it, it was almost too painful to to read. But yeah, it, it's, also, it reads. Yeah, like it's it's hard to read. Yeah. Right now. It's right. Right. Yeah. It's very hard to read. And it also is 100 um, percent. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Ne somehow necessary and beautiful, I guess, and painful. But it was kind of like, yeah, it reminded me of, I don't know, you know, uh, watching Boys in the Hood or uh, any number of other factors of or, uh, season three or four of The Wire, whichever one where the kids get fucked up. It was like, oh, this is this is going to be, I guess, season four. This is going to be brutal, but it's also going to be you know, amazing and worthwhile and my heart is going to be broken sort of for the right reasons. And what happens is then at that point, it morphs into a complicated pulp allegory. And I should, if there's anyone who normally, say, if, any, if anyone exactly, should like pulp allegory, it's you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I even felt myself begin to salivate after I said the phrase out loud. So much is that a, a Pavlovian bell. But it doesn't work for me. And, and, and part of the reasons why I feel like it doesn't work for me as much has a lot to do with by the time you get to the end, part of me does feel like... Hmm, Perhaps re I'm reading too much into it, but the there you can look at it as, you know, sort of a double ending in the sense of Bennett being like America is alive and I am America and then dread being like America's dead. This is the real world. And I think that the additional level to it, which Wagner is trying to put forward is is arguably essentially. It's something that I find really <coughs> um, very uh, uh, resonant is, is the idea that Bennett Beanie with his comedy and his parody and his cowardice is, is America. Yes, is America and may even may even more specifically be Wagner, um, that Wagner himself is aware of how much his cowardice is I'm going to tell stories about America, but I'm going to do it for entertainment and for my own dollar. And I, and, and, or, and I think that this is something that is important is the way in which America 
um, and this by now, I mean, the United States of America changes from the 70s to the point where he encounters it in the 90s, which is to say that the 70s are about a period of you know, 60s and early 70s are about a period of genuine protest and potential for change. And as far as Wagner is concerned, by the time you get to 90 or 91, that that's gone. That's gone. Right. The the extent to which that exists is it's in it's inhabited by entertainers who both want to make a buck and also love this thing that they think they failed. And honestly, I mean that's not inappropriate, uh, especially when you look at the world via the arts in the 80s and 90s, or at least I should say the commercial arts, because, you know, they had, for those of us who love a lot of the work that was coming out that was heavily influenced by the counterculture in the late 60s and early 70s, that changes a lot. It changes into the world of, you know, Tom Cruise's Top Gun, you know, and so... So again, part of me is like, yeah, that's really nice and chewy and digestible. But weirdly enough, again, in that this is unlike me kind of way, I'm we it it feels it feels um it feels emotionally disconnected or it feels connected to the author and the creator in a way that he's exploring again, to me, just does not live up to that first potential of those first 14, 15 pages. It's an escape. What, what's really interesting is, you know, you're you're talking about where it stops working for you, right. which is the end of the first chapter of the story. Right. Well, yes, like, working you, at its you, best. No, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't, mm -hmm. like, it, it's like as soon as yeah. episode two starts, yep. like you're, you're beginning to see a drop off. Interestingly enough, I think episode two is – has bits that don't work. Like I, the I'm just not on board Bennett's like parody song thing. Like right. it feels very Wagner. Do you right. know what I mean? Like he's yeah. done that before. It's a, he he seems to believe in that much more than I do. But I love the page before that where the judge says, uh, the teacher rather says, you know, America's formed in three, founded in three great principles: life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. And America is like, okay, but but we don't have liberty, right? And we don't really have. Happiness. happiness yeah and the teacher goes well we're still alive one out of three isn't bad <laughs> which is uh, like funny but like funny especially now in such a grim way oh completely that that it's like it's almost painful right you know and like that that is one of my favorite pages in the in the story absolutely i i like the pulp thing that isn't working for you mm -hmm. i like it a lot i like the idea that it's it is essentially just a pulp story, but it's a pulp story that more than anything else Wagner's done so far shows that you're fucked in Mega City One. Mm -hmm. Like that 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 you are you're broken. You you have no chance. You know? And and because even Bennett, who was a success, mm -hmm. ends up broken. Well, but does he? I mean, I mean, how could we get through the story and not think that Bennett is like is is broken by this? But I think there's a case to be made that what breaks him is his love of America. You know, 
I mean, there's other things. There, one of the things that's also problematic is, unsurprisingly, America, the, the woman, is not a character. You know what I mean? Oh, no, and no, she, no, is. she is. She is very much a... a uh, I was going to say MacGuffin, which... Is that too cruel? No, no. Like, she, right. she, she, she's, she's so much of a... What's the opposite of a femme fatale? She plays the femme fatale role, but she's the, the hero. For, like, she's the good guy. Well, she's the good guy, but she is an image of she's she is she, she's she's not a character. She just is not a person. Right. She's not a person. She has she it's she has all agency and ben, Bennett is all coward, but everything that she does doesn't seem to really have she seems utterly 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 one-dimensional. You but know. Of course, cuz she the story's told through Bennett. But right? He's idealizing her in a way that is I took him wrong. It's problematic and it's a failure of Wagner as a writer. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a failure of Wagner as a writer. It's a failure of the times. It's a failure of none of that stuff is necessarily especially new. It's all very forgivable, but it is one of the ways in which the story again, it works at it to the extent that it, because it's an, it's, it is an allegory. It, it doesn't feel fully emotionally lived in or doesn't thoroughly. So it's really hard for the, the, for the early chapters where America is sticking up for Bennett and they're very young, like you said, that first chapter, even the first couple of pages, but there's sort of something about the, like the idea that there's nothing that defines America other than her democracy you know, her, her belief in democracy and how much Bennett wants her, you know, those things seem, uh, it just, ugh, it's just blood. So, so, so you're, you're not persuaded by the backstory that she presents. Which backstory is that? The, the riots and then the, the forced abortion. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that doesn't, I, that doesn't, neither of those feel like anything. One of the things that's hard is also because this is a, this is not a dread story, but it is a story that's set in the world of judges. It again starts getting a little, um, which is hard with an allegory. It's like, you know, there's the apocalypse war literally comes in and it, yes. there's a great scene that follows it that I think is wonderful where Bennett trying to find out what has happened to America finds out that essentially America's dad, A, has dead, B, has gone crazy, and B, completely regretted moving to America, which is really emotionally a kicker. And there's a gr that great scene of that guy who himself is semi-deranged and is like, yeah, he carved his, my, his name on my neck, which is fine. In fact, you want to carve yours on, on mine too? You're famous. Um, really chilling and creepy and yet at the same time i'm like so when she's talking about being in the democracy marches and things i'm kind of like yeah i mean i'm sure somebody's like oh this is perfect it ties into the judge dread stuff i'm like yeah and i, I kind of know what's coming and again <laughs> the whole like oh and then i lost my baby it's it really is the thing of like oh of course because she's a mother too you know what i mean like there's nothing about um america that seems like she poops, you know, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and that just... Weird. I, here's the thing. I think you're right. And yet it's that seems 
okay for me. Sure, sure. I because again, it. I feel that the entire story is through Ben. If the story has like one major failing to the degree that I think you're you're arguing that America's not being a uh, fully formed character is, mm-hmm. it's that Bennett taking America's body at the end it feels completely unexplored. Yeah, completely. Like that. That's that seems. Uh, that seems to come. That seems to be forced in order to get to the final metaphor. Um, you know, it feels forced. It's also the part that feels uh, interesting to me. It also feels strangely uh, familiar again. Like I'm kind of like, oh shit. Like what's the, what's this? Like, I feel like Wagner and I watched the same sort of, moon in the gutter or you know some some fucking french semi noir thing but the idea of what in which the hero loves the heroine and ends up taking on her identity kiss of the spider woman i don't know like i'm really like there's something that's there that i'm like it's and that might be the other part where i'm like a in a way it doesn't necessarily feel as original as it should it sort of feels like wagner being like kind of like oh this is provocative to be provocative but it also again kind of feels like yeah i mean america to me honestly reads more about a story in which you know that is not new which is about uh men literally taking over a woman's story and ultimately her you know um mm. And so, so I, I feel like I'm really churlish because the the art is beautiful. <laughs> pages and pages are great. Well, no, I know, but it's just it's really surprising because this is something that I've been looking forward to for years. I also feel like I'm. I think I'll be lucky. It's a only semi metaphorically be um, you know beaten and dragged through the streets in our comments threads but well no it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if like ever, if everyone else agrees with you i i don't know i'll you know? be curious yeah because like honestly this is a story that i read when it was published this is a story that i've reread not regular like a, a lot of times right and i i really do i'm like i think you're making really good points but this story still works for me sure but it's with the knowledge of like i might be wrong right like you might be entirely right there, there are problems with the fact that america isn't a fully formed character right you know, like for for me, it works from the fact is you are seeing everything from Bennett's point of view. And Bennett is, to say the least, a flawed narrator. Sure. sure. Right? Yeah. And a flawed character in, right. in many fucking ways. And Jeff, just wait until you get to the sequels. But, <laughs> but you know, I think – I don't think you're wrong, mm-hmm. you know. And it will be really interesting to me to see if, like, everyone agrees with you and not with me. Right. I, I suggest we're actually arguing, and I don't think we are. No, I don't think we are. Uh, I think but, because uh, you're being gracious, and also because I do understand what you're talking about. I will say this, Graham. I do wonder if I had read America first and then Case Files 15, if I would have had a different reaction. Because this is not this is not reformer dread in there, to put it lightly. You know, no, 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 yeah, one hundred percent. So there is there is a little bit of that that's a really hard gear to switch. Is is like we're reading these things in chronological order, sort of of publication, but 
Wagner is stepping outside of things. The magazine is stepping outside of that. Uh, and, and in America, it does. This is, this is very much a, like, and I don't think it necessarily would have worked for me if it, if, you know, there was this, you know, editor's note. If there was note. more dread in it. Well, no, if there was more dread in it, but even like, even if it was like, this story takes place because I think you can fold it in very clearly in uh, this story. If this story takes place between uh, before. Um, Necropolis. What, yeah. And what's the one that incident that starts it off? Letter to a judge. Oh, and, letter, to, letter to Judge Dredd. Yeah. Letter to Judge Dredd. Like if you put it, put it like four stories before letters to Judge Dredd. But of course, that's. A long time ago, comparatively speaking, now. So, in a way, I, I'm I'm always curious when America happens, right? Because there's a temptation, especially because again, it's not an official judge story to be like, okay, it's out of continuity, right? Right, mm -hmm. but it's not because mm -hmm. uh, how can I put this without spoiling anything? Right, as the results of <laughs> as a result of America, the storyline, yes. A recurring character in the regular Dread will show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So it clearly happens. Right. And the sequels take place in the magazine and in the 2008 run. Right. Right. Right? So it clearly, quote-unquote, happens. Yes, absolutely. But when does it happen? Because as right. you said, this isn't Dread the Reformer. And it's actually really hard to square Dread the Reformer and Dread as he's portrayed in Nightmares with the Dreads the bookends America. Right. And it, no? to the, to the point where it can't be, it really cannot. The, the America is dead. This is the real world. It feels a little bit like some of the stories that we thought, like if you took out one of the, there's a semi similar grant story. That's really harsh and really dark in case files 13, I guess that you could probably drop out and plop America in and be like, Oh, okay. And that kind of sort of semi makes sense. Cause there's kind of a period where dread seems to double down on his bastardness before he breaks, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that that maybe that'll work. I, I mean, I'm not worried about the continuity. It's just more well, no, the, it's, you know, it's, it's emotionally. Like Mm -hmm. Yes, thematically, like where where are we? With yes, right in this. Right, but um, so so to get back to something that we've sort of touched on a couple of times, this like America was really hard to read this mm -hmm. week. Yes, right, because for all that I appreciate it, and for all that I appreciate, you know, there are specific callbacks to, like dread mythology. Mm -hmm. Here's the apocalypse war. Here's the the Demo democracy march. Right, you know, here's all these things that we know have happened. Um, like the Democracy March stuff and just seeing how the judges deal with with America and with, with Total War, which has always seemed like a really fucking weird name for a pro-democracy movement. Um, but but seeing how they deal with, you know, America's team in the end right. is is what? What am I trying to say? Too close to reality? Or yeah, like, Reads, reads differently at a time when, you know, peaceful protesters are being tear gassed. Well, yes. Like, nightly in right. every state in the fucking country. Right. You know, um, it, it's, it, it, 
it was you know it it we've we've talked a lot of times about dread as avatar of of today mm-hmm. and of dread as like figure head of police state right and of dread as fascist yeah and yet this story in particular mm-hmm. this week well yes this week Fuck. but but i but i also there were stages you know there's a weird thing where it's like you've got dread and he's got his schmancy gun with his settings and of course he's got boot knife which he usually announces you know like any good mc uh whenever boot knife shows up but there were periods in uh in in case files 15 where suddenly dread has a baton and he's beating guys with a baton and in a few points, which may be in some of the magazine stories, because it's super exaggerated, it's they're almost like nunchucks. But he's there's a little sort of in that same way that used to have like, oh, Spider-Man stops a mugging. Here's Dread beating people with his nightstick. And it was uh, it was viscerally upsetting to me. And the opening sections where you see the judges acting exactly as policemen and scaring the shit out of kids and not and and literally viewing an an innocent child with distrust i was like yeah this is this is upsetting but also there's a little bit of the yeah this is how do i put it like this is a strangely cathartic or maybe anti-cathartic because I feel that one of the things that's been really hard about the last couple of weeks is seeing the brutality, but on top of it, a little bit of that feeling of like, well, at least this shit is out in the open. One of the things that has been so hard for uh, a lot of people in which I, I, I include myself in some ways, like I very much have the 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 ultimate gift of white privilege which is i can i can look away whenever i want to you know and it's been very important these last couple of weeks in a way to feel like i should not be looking away because one of the things that has been super problematic is seeing how frequently the news would look away or turn the narrative around or just make things pretend like they weren't happening the way that they were happening. Like, again, there's a point where dread has a statement where he's like, this too is a form of show business. Super, super important and resonant. And so there's a little bit of a way in which I'm like, I, I, I wanted a stronger all cops or bastards story to America because America because it's not a story about judges, it ends up going up on this other path about again these these characters, and they're I like I do like Bennett Bennett's cowardice and his success. Those are super important and resonant, you know. And his like oh, and I love I love America, but ultimately when it came time to commit to her, I was too much of a coward. That's yeah hugely resonant to me mm-hmm. a 50 plus year old white guy who on the one hand is absolutely so grateful 
for these things to be coming out and has only attended absolutely 100% the most candy ass of protests. You know, I have, I could not have played it safer. So there could be some element where maybe the, the whole thing hits too close to home. And I'm like, I don't want to hear about a coward who pretends that he really loves this person that he ends up getting killed. And then, more or less takes on the persona of in order to pretend that he to continue to tell himself that he still cares about this person, but is ultimately only making a mockery of what they stand for, you know, might just be me being like, yeah, I don't like that in a way that it's like, yeah, that, that I don't know who put this ugly self portrait of me up in the mirror uh, in the bathroom, but I don't, I don't care for it one bit, and I wish someone would come in and change it. <laughs> yeah, but that, but that's not actually your complaint about the story, right? Mm-hmm. I like, I, I feel like you're self-flagellating here. Like, well, no, no, I, no, no, I, no. But I'm just saying, I want to present that as a as a possible other alternative because that could be it. But I, I don't know. I'm not. Sure I, I will say this: I don't think that it's not a story about the judges. Right. I well, think uh, that it is. Yeah. I think that it's a story about. The impact that the judges have had on Bennett, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, a little bit, you know. I mean, I guess, you know, like I don't know how to describe it. And I think this is the other thing that is hard: is America is an immigrant and she is brown. Because Bennett Beanie is white, it is a little bit harder for me to wrap my brain around the idea of like, I was scared so much by the judges that day that I ended up becoming, you know, essentially pathologically afraid of them and refused to do, to commit to what I really loved. And I, I I don't think that that's, how do I put it? That makes sense for the, the, the world of the judges and mega city one, but in a way there's i think there's there's a way in which it is a it is a story about america in which white privilege doesn't exist and that feels incredibly false right now you know I, yeah to to be fair i think that dread has never tackled racism mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think that's a problem i think that's a failure of dread right right uh, and i think i think it's a failure of dread in a way that almost it could only be done by people in by white people in Britain. Sure, sure, absolutely. For a better way of putting it. Well, yeah, but I think uh, how do I think? I think that that it is a yeah, probably, probably. I mean, I I think that it it. I have to say that there's a lot of white people in America that have fucked this up too. Because sure, sure, but I feel the way that Dread deals with Dread as a series deals with race. Yes, which is to say, it doesn't. It generally doesn't. like there, there yeah. there's actually a page in Nightmares in Case Files fifteen that is notable to me because every character in it's black. Yeah, that's right, and that's that's shocking. Because yeah. that's like Dread's been around at this point for 16 years, mm-hmm. and it's the first time it's ever happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and I think there's, but again, like that's not, it's not referenced. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, fine, good, right. But on the other hand, that feels weirdly false still. When you know, for all that I I love Wagner, mm-hmm. 
America's dad still has the, the stereotypical accent. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, giant when when giant was introduced, talked in jive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's always dread has always been the product of its time. Right. And that includes race. Mm-hmm. You know, and for for the dread to never as a strip never to actually deal with that mm-hmm. is a failing. Well, I th- it but it is it is a failing. It is all, and how do I put it? Is quote unquote fine as long as it's not trying to talk about the failings of the system in it. There's a page. Sure, sure. There's a there's a page in uh, uh, America where Bennett has a um, parody tune to the theme from Rawhide yes. with with the judges beating the crap out of people. And he's kind of like, and that's the way it goes. And on the one hand, part of me is like, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's, how do I put it? Like it, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. And some of what has to be unpacked is the way that, you know, Wagner is good and great for what he does. There's a lot of stuff when he is talking about in, in a letter from a Democrat, about the the ways in which the democratic march was broken by the judges and undermined is 100% accurate based on the 60s and 100% because in that history repeating itself sort of way of stuff that we saw happening uh, with the protests in terms of undercover people, undercover cops or whatever, escalating the violence, making things worse, et cetera, et cetera. All the stuff that you could see, like all that horrible shit. But so Wagner can only do so much, but there's a lot of unsurprisingly erasure of people of color from narratives and the Western, which dread is always two steps away from is the is kind of the epitome of that you know it is the western is absolutely 100 percent the narrative in which white people in america created a narrative about white people in america bringing justice to the ignorant not just the ignorant lands of the savages but to total wildernesses and and while also grappling with man's struggle to be free and individual and also to need society in order to survive. And that is, I mean, the Western narrative, you cannot underestimate the impact that it had, not just in America, but of course, throughout the world. Like, you know, Westerns are, are stories are still being told in Europe long after they've sort yeah. of died off here in America. Mm-hmm. And there's a new mm-hmm. super important reason for that is that it speaks in a much purer fantasy way. So all of which is to say America ha- is strong, but it is it is of its time. And I think one of the things that we're realizing at this particular point in history is the, the those times failed us and yes and oh yeah it's it's america is is america's a time capsule mm-hmm. you know it is it's it's wagner in 1990 mm-hmm. talking about stuff right 
Right. You know, and I that's you know when I say it's perfect, it's because it encapsulates where Wagner and Dread were at that mm-hmm. point, mm-hmm. which is. Uh, I don't know if it's the high point of Dreads, but it's definitely for me the first high point. Yeah, yeah. I you mean, know, when you when you get to something later like Chaos Day, which you know we're never going to get to in Drog, mm-hmm. but but that's just that's amazing in, in an entirely different way. Right, right. But I, I like as as a as a symbol of ni- where Wagner was at in 1990 with Dread. Like America is, is a perfect example. It's it's a it's it's as good as I think he could do at that time. Yes, absolutely, and it absolutely one hundred percent is fantastic. And like I said, looking at where the world was in nineteen ninety, I mean, it's a there were not a lot of pop cultural icons that were literally saying that America is dead. You know. Um, or, and or that centering the struggle for America, and I think this is also very important, in which the 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 figures of justice are the bad guys. You know, there's there's barely anything like that. Again, in popular culture, you don't have to dip low below um, popular culture in a way to to get to that where. You know, these are things that foreign films are saying. These are things that films of the 70s that, uh, you know, were not being seen by the general populace uh, were in a way that the magazine was being seen by people. But so, yeah, I but mean, also, also, I want to like, give it a whole bunch was, of kudos. But yeah, this but was it's further thing. than anything mm-hmm. that Wagner has actually managed yet. Right. To explicitly say they were the villains of the piece. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, I guess so. I mean, part of me is like, "Letter from a Democrat" is is kind of a fucking gut punch. I really do think that that's, in a way, because it doesn't step outside of the realms of those. Because there's a little bit of the, he just shows lives being ruined, and because it's a dread story, to me, it's a little more powerful. I guess in a way. America is is super strong and part of it is it's gorgeous and it's also an incredible distillation and it's an incre- it is an incredible distillation of Wagner at the top of his game it's just it could just be like that all these various things um made it kind of disappointing and the parts that live up to its potential. Uh, I have to say as a Bennett Beanie, like coward, it took me a while to realize that part of why I was enjoying the second half was, and by the second half, I mean so much of everything after the first installment was that it was, it felt like an act of mercy compared to not giving me another 80 pages of that first chapter, you know? (laughs) So, I see now. I'm like, God. I wish you had read the the later thing. <laughs> I, me too, me too. But you know, who knows? Maybe I'll. I don't know when or how. Well, no, because it it feels, it really feels like more of a gut punch. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. And part of me is because I didn't. I I read Wagner's introduction very much like ready to stop 
reading it any paragraph because I was afraid that I'm like, oh shit, what if he talks about the rest of the stories and and quote unquote spoils them? He just mentions yeah. that those stories are there and he doesn't give away any details. But uh, the fact that he acknowledges the fact that people were pretty upset about them in a way, may, I did have that moment of like, and who knows, maybe, maybe I, maybe I will. I Maybe I should read them. Yeah. So there's three uh, collected in the in the the collection, right? And the second one feels like a lot of missteps, mm-hmm. and yet where it leaves off, mm-hmm. I just think is great. Wow. Okay. Because uh, yeah, it just ah shit. See, I really want to say it, and I can't. I'm going to stop myself. Yeah, I'm you got to stop, stop yourself because I'm not going to point. Okay. Um, okay, America, Druck or Dross? Oh, definitely Druck. Despite listening to all my incredible, um, potentially insipid complaints about it, it is, uh, the art is beautiful. Wagner is, like, the craft in it is fantastic. And there are parts of it that are genuine, to, to me, genuinely emotionally devastating in ways I, I that other things have I would say the captions in, in the first one. Yes, um, well, there's two things. Uh, the first one also has the uh, America, America, God sheds his grief on the mm-hmm. what, which yes. is a terrible, point, but also great. Yes, fucking great. Yeah. But the 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 first chapter has Bennett uh, as narrator saying, "Adults to tell us the judges were there for our own good to protect us and make our streets safe, but we'd hear the tremor in their voices when he talked about them and see their furtive expressions whenever a judge caught their eye, and we know they were afraid." And at night, mothers would tuck us in with dire warnings. Sleep or the judges would come for us. So we didn't need ghosts or goblins or vampires. We had the judges and they were worse. We knew they did exist. Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's it. That is some extraordinary writing. Um, yeah. It just. Yeah, there's a lot. So, yes, for me, definitely Drock. I assume for you, you're saying Dross, Pass. Yes. Don't. Don't yeah, it's just terrible. Just don't read it at all. <laughs> I, I do. I fucking love America. Yeah, I get uh, it. I, I think it's. I think it's a great comic. I mm-hmm. think. I think everything you're saying as a criticism is probably right. Mm-hmm. But also, I genuinely don't care. Like, I know yeah. I should. No, I no, know no. I should. Right. But it still just works for me. Yeah. And it still feels like an extension of. The the stories that we had, you know, four or five case files ago, mm-hmm. where the stories were really about the citizens. Yes. You know, Andred was essentially a a, a, mm-hmm. a bystander or an outside force that is fucking their lives up. Yes. He's, but here he's it, a malevolent like, spirit here. Yeah. It, yeah, it feels like an extension of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, there are, you know, there are parts that don't sit right with me, even as someone who described it as a perfect story. Mm-hmm. Like, there's far too fucking much of a coincidence that Bennett just happens to run into America, like in the middle of of uh, uh, a total war mission, mm. like that's absolutely fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I don't buy that America would then go and visit him, right? You know, like that again is is very very clunky plot wise. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's a noir story, mm-hmm. and she's a femme fatale, mm-hmm. so of course he runs into her then, and of course she visits him. Yeah, yeah. Because as much as Dread is essentially like a, a a plot mechanic in the story, so is America. Yes, right. Exactly, exactly. Is that it? 
Graham, is there more to talk I, about, or is is that no, the I, wrap up? I, I, I think that's it. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I think we've actually, I think we've gone through the two. Um, it's weird because there's so much that is a letdown in fifteen, mm-hmm. and America for me is so good. Yeah, that I'm like, it's weird to me to imagine that they were coming out at the same time. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, no. Absolutely. It's very strange that they were contemporaneous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but they were mm-hmm. so so okay. Maybe that's because everyone like. Wagner was paying a lot of attention to, to America and wasn't paying attention to everything else. Right. Who right. knows? Yeah. Um, I do feel that we are firmly in the downward slide for right. a while of case files. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. I think you probably felt that yourself. Well, you know, like, and you, you, di- you didn't think that, like, as you went through 15, you were like, oh. <laughs> no. No. How no, do I put it? Yeah. No, I definitely did. And yet I'll be kind of curious to see how and where things play out from here because there are, hmm, how do I put it? Uh, Weirdly enough, if I don't rate the high points quite as highly as you do, I'm not sure that I necessarily rate the low stuff quite as low as you do. So part of, in a way, I'm like, I will be curious to see what else Ennis does with Dread. I don't know how long it is until... Uh, Mark Miller shows up until we start getting other people and then things turn really dire. But, um, you know, it's probably just, you know, two or three volumes away at tops. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul and it, it, please definitely feel free, like three or four episodes of Drock from now where I'm weeping and asking you why, why we're reading why, these why things are we st- yeah, why exactly are we still you're, you're Look, like, it's not yeah. gonna get really bad until mark miller and alan mckenzie are writing it right right and that's when you know it's yeah Oof. alan mckenzie haven't even heard the name he's uh he's to, a 2000 editor interesting interesting all right all right well so yeah next time we're going to be doing case file 16 and things are going to get worse as far as i'm concerned maybe i'm wrong maybe the the (laughs) magazine stuff is much better than i remember but uh, we'll see i guess (laughs) there will be show notes for this up on waitwhatpodcast.com at some point on monday open brackets look there's a lot happening right now it will be some point on monday i promise i just can't tell you when until then, uh, waitwhatpod.tumblr.com and instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpod are two places to see extra, if you will, content related to, honestly, what shit I'm randomly reading. Mm-hmm. There's also a, a Twitter account at waitwhatpodcast. I am on Twitter at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. And Jeff is on Twitter at LazyBassad at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. We are also a Patreon-supported podcast, and it's your Patreon dollars that make this whole thing exist. Jeff, tell the people what they've won. Well, you've won this, as Graham points out. You also won 50 episodes of uh, Baxter Building, which are the first 416 issues of Fantastic Four. And I have to say, some of those issues uh, taught me that I have a stronger stomach from bad comics than... um, than I would have thought. And I look forward to Drock testing that even further. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners. We really do for um, listening in, encouraging us, uh, pointing out things in uh, the, the replies to our show notes, dropping us the occasional hot tip on Twitter or via the emails. 
Um, and just, uh, you know, keep keeping us motivated, keeping us on our toes, keeping us honest. Um, and I think all of that can be said uh, for our fine listeners on Patreon with the additional bonus of knowing that they throw their hard-earned dosh a little bit of hopefully a little bit of their hard-earned dosh our way does really keep us feeling um, motivated, responsible, and uh, and and uh, affirmed in a way that I think uh, allows us to keep doing this for many years now. Um, and, uh, you know, keep and offering many these more podcasts. To come. Exactly. God bless <laughs> us all. Uh, we should give a super thanks to uh, Dominic L. Franco, friend of the podcast, um, and Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for their continuing support um, of this podcast. And in Empress Audrey's case, uh, support of uh, this little neck of the celestial uh, heavens that we call home. Graham? That's all you're going to get from me because it is a drug, which means Jeff sings it out. But we're going to be back next week with a wait what? That's right. We are indeed. So we'll see you next week for some regular comic book blabbity blab. Um, but for those of you who are tuning in for just uh, Drock and for the Judge Dredd shenanigans, let me say, Drock, you're under arrest, citizen. Report to the Isocubes until next month. <laughs>